Thanks for joining us for the latest message at Island Church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands. Let's just lift our hands. Hallelujah. Let's take a moment and just worship God. Oh, just take a moment. Forget about what's going on in the world. Forget about what may be going on in your life. And take a moment and enjoy the presence of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just take a moment. Take your liberty and enjoy the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, the Lord is so good. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord is so good. Oh, the Lord is so good. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, be seated for just a moment, if you will. Thank you, worship team. That was awesome. Great job. Praise God. If you will, stand by. I'll call you back in just a few moments. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for the presence of God. Amen. The Bible says, In His presence is fullness of joy at His right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that good? God is so good. Praise God. Well, turn up the lights. There you are. You came to church on Sunday night. My, my, isn't God good? Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Sing the great songs of worship and praise. That's so awesome. God, God is so good to just come in in His presence. You know, it talked about uh, those men there in Acts chapter 13 that they ministered to the Lord and fasted. That word, minister to the Lord, that, that's literally the, what that means is to linger in His presence. Linger in His presence. We've learned some things in the past uh, couple of two or three years in prayer and intercession. Many times we'll gather 30, 30, 40 people and pray and intercede and then just sit in the presence of the Lord quietly. For, you know, ten minutes sometimes as the presence of the Lord, presence of the Lord just refreshes and, and builds up and, and causes people to be blessed. It's a blessing to sense the presence of God. I said it's a, a blessing to sense the presence of God. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for coming tonight. We're so thankful this is the, uh, the last uh, night for us, this trip. Amen. Glory to God. And we trust that uh, what God's doing here is going to expand and multiply and become something that's just sweeping people into the kingdom of God in these last days. That's the will of God. That's what God is doing. God is creating a real... Uh, effectiveness in the church where the church is becoming very effective no matter what size it is you know you could have a church of 10,000 but if it wasn't effective you know what would you do I mean it would it would be an ineffective church but you could have a church of 10 people if that was an effective church then thank God that's what that's what you want to be a part of amen and lo, we see God doing things in Ireland again, stirring Ireland again. It's, it's such a blessing to me because I kind of got to be in on that, that, that first wave and that front part that's going on now to get to be a part looking and, and seeing down the road what I perceive God is doing and will do in the next few years. It's just awesome. 
then I'm so thankful some of the old familiar faces are still along the ride with me. Amen? <laughs> Glory to God. That pleases my heart. Hallelujah. But with that in mind, I, I, I tonight want to speak to you uh, something that I'm not unfamiliar with. I've used this many times over the years in every kind of setting where the Lord ever taps me and says, this is the direction I want you to go. I know that God is fixing to do something unique in that service. And this will be no different. Amen? And uh, uh, the Lord began to deal with me years ago uh, about what is valuable in life, what is really valuable in life. And, you know, people in the world, you've, you know, we've all been in the world, of the world, that sort of thing, but uh, people have different ideas about what success is. And, you know, studying the Word of God and being a student of the Word of God, uh, the Apostle Paul amazed me because he wrote, you know, more than three-quarters of the New Testament, that which we would consider revelation uh, unique to the, the time in which we live. Amen. Uh, he wrote that under the, some of the most dire conditions. And he did it full of joy. And he did it full of peace. And, and he did it, well, he did it, yeah, he did it with authority. And boy, he went through some trials and some tribulations and, and you know, they, they beat him and stoned him and did all kinds of things. But they couldn't quench his spirit because his spirit had a unique bend or a turn to it that all of our spirit has if we've, if we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Amen. Now when I begin to be, how can I say this? When I begin to be aware consciously that I was around something that was of God. I was probably, I don't know, probably six and a half, seven years old. Our family in the southeast side of Houston, my dad was a young attorney that was practicing law in Galveston, which was about 45 minutes away, and he would drive that every day. And my mother had gotten uh, depressed after the birth of her last child, my, my youngest brother. And my grandmother, her mother, was a Pentecostal, holy roller, extraordinaire. Amen? My grandma, she was a prayer warrior. She was an intercessor. She was a woman of God. And she told my mother, uh, you need to go to a, uh, an Assembly of God church and you need to find one that will pray for you, that will lay hands on you and pray for you. So she loaded me up. I was like five years old at the time. And she loaded me up and we went to a church and all I remember is that we went in that church and out of that church. So I asked her later when I got older what happened, you know. Well, she said, we walked into the church and the lady greeting looked at, at her and me and said, you don't need to be here. You need to go to another church over in Pasadena where they're having a revival service with a young evangelist named Kenneth E. Hagan. And so my mother went and all I know is I was with her and I remember at the end of that night I was standing there holding her hand watching this man and this man and this lady pray for her and I heard my mother speak in a strange language. And at that point, I became aware of spiritual things. I knew that was something different. I didn't see any of that on the Popeye cartoon I watched in the afternoons. You know? <laughs> I mean, it was something different. Not only that, it did something to my mom. I saw it, it did something to my mother. Uh, so much so that it caused my dad, eventually a year or so later, uh, to end up uh, being ruined for the denomination he belonged to <laughs> and becoming a good Holy Ghost person. Amen. During that time, growing up in that, uh, we were witness to so many things that were phenomenal. 
large crowds of people with things that maybe could ex you could explain and say, you know, the power of God. Other things that our parents would take us to, it was just kind of odd and strange. We'd go to one church where the glory of God fell uh, night after night and nobody ever preached. It was an Episcopal church, Church of the Redeemer over in Houston, Texas. They were singing a hymn just like, uh, How Great Thou Art. And the glory of God fell in that church and people began to speak in an unknown language. That was in the, in the late 60s that that happened. They took us, I'd think, why are we sitting here? <laughs> well, then I realized the presence of God was there. My parents were hungry for the presence of God. I was raised in that. We raised our daughter in that, hungry for the presence of God. And, and, and you say, well, why is that so important? Here we are in Ireland, it's 2022, you know, uh, all this is going on in the world. Well, the reason is, is because God is doing something awesome in the world. Amen. He's positioning His church for a great stirring and an awakening. And through that stirring and an awakening is going to come a great harvest. And it's not going to be natural, it's going to be supernatural. There's not going to be anything natural to it. It's going to be the power of God, the anointing of God, the presence of God, and the people of God in unity learning to walk in love toward God themselves and others that's going to cause this whole thing to culminate and Jesus is going to come. And this thing is going to be over. You say, come on, you really think it's that close? I think it's that close. So we must value what God gives us. Because the enemy sends so many distractions into our, into our life, especially in these last days. So biblically, biblically, we know, we know what's happening. A, 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 a man of God that I really uh, loved, that was, uh, influenced me when I was a young minister, he told me, he said, Rusty, if you don't understand the day or the hour in which you live, you'll never be able to fulfill what God's called you to do. So I'm not trying to fulfill. I've been in ministry now for 38 years, solid 38 years into my 39th. I'm not trying to re, uh, reproduce something that used to happen or used to go on. I'm trying to pursue what God is doing now. Amen. That's what's brought me back here. I mean, I could, if we just sat tonight and told you the story of Ireland in our lives, it would amaze you. First time I came to Ireland because uh, a pastor wanted to come. A, a missionary came to our church, talked about Ireland. pastor wanted to go, called me up and said, would you go to Ireland with me? I said, why? He said, well, I've never been overseas and you have. I want you to go with me. And I said, well, why? <laughs> he said, I'll pay your ticket. I said, okay. <laughs> now, he was, raised, he was raised in a pastor's home and I found it funny that the night before I left, his mother called me and she said, now my son is going to, to Ireland because he's stirred to go, but you have a call for Ireland. I thought, what does that mean? Well, we're finding out now, years later, Amen. So all of the things that I witnessed growing up, things we experienced, Lee and I, our ministry in the early years, the supernatural things especially, because it's really that which is supernatural that has brought us to where we are right now, preserved us and kept us. And one of the reasons Lee and I are still here is because we so value the move of God. And it's hard many times to explain what that means, but if you've ever been around people that don't value it as much as you do, then you may find a clash there. But in these days and out, in these hours and days and weeks that are so shortened, we have to learn how to walk in love one toward another, heal old wounds, bring people together, be willing to restore, not to repeat any weakness of yesterday, 
but to see God stir our hearts again and see God pour out His Spirit like He wants to. He said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. I want to be right in the middle of that. So I'm doing everything to do to position my heart to be right in the middle of that. So as we begin in our own ministry even to experience the miracles of God, the things of God when we travel, because it was a different anointing that we walk in now when we pastor, except when we travel. <laughs> That's what I like about it. So I like to travel every once in a while. But we'd see signs and wonders and miracles. People would, cripples would walk uh, two different times. We saw uh, 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 blind eyes open. Amen. We saw healings of all kinds of disease and, and back injuries. God would use us to, to see back injuries healed and, and people that couldn't have children. We saw so many people uh, that couldn't have children. We would minister and pray for them. They would have children. It was just awesome, awesome. And then we would be around the, the generation above us that were older than, the, than us and we got to meet some of them and hear their stories and hear about the supernatural power of God. Now one story was told preacher to preacher, person to person, and I use this tonight as a point of illustration so we can have a jumping off point or an expectancy of that which is coming. Not that which is, that might come. No, God's caught, listen, God's done too much by His Word and by His Spirit to forsake us in this last hour, especially those of us that have done everything we can do to stay all in. Can I get a better amen than that? So I've got some great expectations and the only reason why is because God put them in there. He said, delight yourself in the Lord and I'll give you desires. But in the meantime, we're living in a time in which the Bible says there's great deception upon the earth. It says men's hearts are failing them for fear of that which is coming upon the earth. In the church, it says men's hearts will wax cold against one another. They will hate one another. So we've got to learn not to be that crowd. And we've got to walk in the unity of faith and the bond of the Spirit and the one thing that makes us closer than anything else and that is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that has bought us that makes every one of us family. Yes. Now I ought to get a better amen than that. Greater than country, greater than geographical location, greater than the color of your skin, greater than your gender, greater than anything else, our greatest identity is that we are in Christ and that joins us together eternally. Hallelujah. So we heard so many stories and saw so much. But one story in particular impressed me because it had a prophetic bend to it. It happened in the ministry of a man named A.A. A. Allen about the year 1956 or 57. And it happened over in Mobile, Alabama. Now I heard other preachers mention it, refer to it. I heard other people uh, talk about it. I never met A.A. Uh, a. Allen, he died way before, uh, he probably, I think it was 1967 or 68 that he died, so I'd have been a child. But he had a praise and worship leader, the man that, that, that led the congregational singing under his tent was a man named R.W. Shambach. And R.W. Shambach became a mighty, mighty preacher of the gospel. He was a World War II veteran and had a lot of awesome stories. But whenever he'd tell that story, and I heard him tell it on television a couple of times. And oh, he was, he was a preacher, so he knew how to tell it. But you could tell that he wasn't exaggerating because you could see the anointing that would come when he would tell that story. The story was of a young mother who, whose husband had abandoned her because of the birth of their first child. The child had just about every malady a child could have. She was 
urge to let the child die in its crib. She couldn't do that. She had compassion for the child. And the child was approximately about four to five years old. Brother Shambach said, Lee and I found ourselves at a table with him at dinner. Other ministers had gone off and left. He was still sitting there enjoying the food with us. So we asked him, tell us the story. I want to hear it kind of like from the horse's mouth. Amen. So he told how, how this, this, this woman came and she came from another state and she drove a particular kind of car and she had so much money, could only stay so many days. And how she stayed day after day after day and she'd bring that baby uh, to Brother Shambach. And she'd ask him, when is the man of God going to pray for this baby? And Brother Shambach said he would look and he'd have to turn his head. He said it was blind. Later they found out it was deaf. Found out organs were, 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 were rearranged differently in its body. It says its legs just hung dead. It says it carried around legs which would hang dead like that. It said basically it would just hang with its tongue hanging out. So there was really no evident sign of life other than if you put your hand or touch it, you could feel warmth. This woman had kept this thing alive for over four years. And she kept asking Brother Shambach, when is the man of God going to pray for my baby? And Brother Shambach said the last night of that crusade came and he knew that woman only had $20 in her, in her purse. And, and he knew that she had a long drive back to another state. And he had promised her that if the man of God did not call her out or pray for her, that he would, that he would personally take her, remember that, to the, to, the, to the man of God's trailer. That he pulled a trailer with a big canvas tent that he used. He said the meeting started and he said the anointing was strong right during the praise and worship. But then Dr. Allen got up and stopped the whole thing and said, this is a time for an act of faith. And he called for an offering. And he said, if you come down here now, there's an anointing for miracles and bring an offering. He said that woman got out up and ran with that child under her arm with that last $20 she had and laid it on the offering. I've always thought, why was it about an offering? Well, it was an act of faith for her said when she did that, Dr. Allen stepped off the platform and grabbed the baby in his arms and began to watch, walk and ask everybody to bow their heads, close their eyes and pray. And I used to love how Brother Shambach used to tell it. He said, I wasn't about to close my eyes and pray. <laughs> Amen. I'm the same way, man. I want to see it happen. How many, how many of you like that? I don't ever call for people to do that. Amen. <laughs> Unless it's something personal, you know. He said he prayed for a period of time. He said it seemed like forever, but on his watch it was only about three minutes. And he said basically he was just kind of worshiping God as he prayed, thanking God for a miracle. He said the first thing that he noticed was those legs that dangled. He said like he would pull like on an air hose at a, at a gas or a filling station. You know those kind back in the day you'd pull on and you could do it and then you'd pull and they go back in. He says those legs pulled up into that, that child's body. He said when he did, he said that tongue snapped back into its mouth. He said you could literally hear that tongue when it snapped back into his mouth. And he said I, he said, I made a step over where I could see. And he said I looked in that child's eyes where there was nothing there. He said in the, where those eyes were they begin to spin like a whirlpool. And when it stopped, it was two beautiful blue eyes. Whoa. We in deep now, honey. 
Now what's neat about this, it's not some carnival tale that has been told from circus to circus. It's something that has been documented. Actually, a man in my church got on the internet and actually found pictures of this. Amazing. And then the witness of all the people that were there that saw this event take place. He said the other things that were wrong with the child were so phenomenal. They really didn't know what the sex of the child was because the child was so deformed, so retarded that it was just, there was just nothing to it but a lump of flesh. But he said all of a sudden God began to work and bones began to pop and things began to happen. And he said, Dr. Allen, set that child down and it ran across that stage wow. hollering, Mama, Mama, Mama. Wow. Whew. Hallelujah. But you know, a lot of times he would tell that and then they would stop because he had a way of really telling it because he was the guy that was there. But he told us, and I've heard him tell it other times, he said, that's not all that happened though. He said, what happened after that was really more phenomenal. He said, in those days, he said, on the, on the right side of the tent, that's where the, that's where the wheelchair cases were. He said there were approximately 35 to 40 wheelchairs. He said like a sergeant giving a command to military men, those, every person in those wheelchairs stood at attention, began to walk under the power of God. He said to the left side, he said that's where the, the ambulances would bring in the stretcher cases. And the stretcher cases would, be, would just be laid across. He said there were probably about 12 to 18 there that night. He said and just like those people in the wheelchair chair did, those people on those stretchers stood at attention and they began to walk in praise and worship God. He said every person that they knew, and there was 10,000 people in that tent that night, he said every person that they knew in that tent that had any kind of sickness, disease, malady of any kind was instantaneously healed. You can imagine what that must have done, what that must have been like as those people begin to rejoice, they begin to praise God. Man. He said then it began to quieten. And he says very uncharacteristically because A.A. Allen very rarely would ever prophesy, he stood up and prophesied. And he said the prophecy was this. He said in the last days before Jesus returns for the church, this will be normal activity in my churches upon the earth in which people will come with such great need, such great infirmity, pain and sickness, but they'll come to the house of the Lord and find Jesus the healer and God's children ministering life unto them. I was like, whoa, those are the days we're living in. These are the days. We could, we could, for hours tonight, I could tell you of the miracles we saw in Ireland. Back in the days when we used to come. Of the glory of God that would come in meetings. Healings that would take place. Things that were so phenomenal. In our own ministry and other places, we never believed that miracles were limited by geographical location. <laughs> the last time they asked me, to come on a television, you know, they have those big television ministries and they want to come and tell all the things that are going on. I was interviewed by, by a gentleman that had just been in Africa and had been in a crusade where there was miracles that took place all over the place. And it does happen there. We have a good friend. I think he comes here to you guys, Christopher Alam. We were just uh, talking the other day on the phone. He was in a meeting uh, there in Zimbabwe in which two nights in a row over 20,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? You're living in a day in which the latter house is greater than the former house. Amen. 
And so, you know, back in the 90s when we traveled here a lot, we would see that massive amount of people, two or three hundred one night in Sligo, three hundred and something people at one time. Just like you snap your fingers was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Up in Limerick, at, at the lady that wrote the children's books, we were in her house. It was just, it was like a Catholic charismatic prayer meeting. Oh, they were so hungry. They were so hungry for God. And as we got up and started talking about what God was doing, who God is, how you can have this in your life, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God began to stir. We prayed one prayer and the the Holy Ghost fell on that place and everyone in there was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Signs, wonders, and miracles. The one of the gentlemen that was here this morning, I don't see him here, but he was, he was in the tent that we had in Athlone when we put a tent in the, in, the, in the parking lot of the Catholic Church and had Holy Ghost revival for a week. You'd have thought we was out of our minds. We were. We had the mind of Christ. We had His plan, His purpose. We just didn't have better sense not to do it. We thought we'd just better obey God no matter what. We haven't changed any. A lot of people change around us. No, we just keep going. You say, why? Because we're looking for that presence, that power, that joy, that peace, that supernatural element of that which God does that keeps you moving forward and knowing you're in the will of God. Absolutely. Now, with that in mind, Matthew chapter 11. Let's talk just a moment and then let's just see what the Spirit of God has for us tonight. I sense God stirring Stirring me, so that, that usually helps because I'm the one up here preaching. Amen. And I can sense a stirring out there. Does anybody sense a stirring? Everybody say a stirring. stirring. Matthew 11 verse 1. If I were to title this, I would title it Protecting the Move of God in Your Life. Because if you protect the move of God in your life, you'll protect it in your church, you'll protect it in your city, and you'll protect it in your nation. All kinds of persons and personalities come through your life as you serve God. You're commanded by Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, to love them all. Doesn't mean you're going to like them all. And I think a lot of times offenses happen where we've tried to like people when we should have just loved them. Come on. <laughs> Amen? Well, I just found out that you better love them. Hallelujah. That way you can keep your joy. Because when you're liking people you should be loving, you lose your joy. And when you lose your joy, your face shows it. Everybody say, I haven't lost my joy. I found out that revival in the move of God, when it sweeps, it's swept because people were contending for it. I've been in what I would call a contending posture for God in my life ever since March the 7th, 1984 when I made the decision to serve God with everything that I am, everything that I'll ever be, everything that I'll ever have. I knew in doing that very quickly, literally within the first year, there would be great opportunity to get mad, to get offended, to get upset, uh, to get jealous at others that may have got promoted a little quicker than I did. And to just basically, basically use the attitudes of fallen humanity and try to uh, apply it to promotion in the kingdom. Found out it didn't work. So I just got real humble real fast and just made a decision to serve everybody I could. I still do that today. Serve my wife and child. Serve Island Church. Serve the missionaries we support. And then I got all kinds of ministries. 
He said, all kinds. Man, I got, I got hunting ministries, fishing ministries, surfing ministries. I got ministries to the, to the people from Nepal that run the filling stations in Galveston. I got, I got ministries all over the place, don't you? Oh, let me try that again, don't you? We all should be ministering to people everywhere. And I got a little bit of ministry to people in Ireland, believe it or not. This story stirred me years ago, studying it, God dealing with my character. And remember this, God keeps you in places and positions with people to grow you in character so that you might mature in the things of God. Because maturity in the things of God will give you longevity. Everybody say longevity. John the Baptist was a powerful man of God. It says in verse 1 of chapter 11, It came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding His twelve disciples, He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John, this is John the Baptist, not, not John the fisherman, John the Baptist had heard, now notice this very carefully, in the prison, everybody say in the prison. In the prison, the works of Christ, He sent two of His disciples and said unto Him, Art, art thou He that should come, or do we, or do we, so there were others following Him, do we look for another? Always remember there are people following you. You say, well, no, that, nobody's following me. I, I'm just, no, no, there are people watching your life. And they're hoping what you believe is true. They're looking for the miracle you're believing God for. They're watching how you're responding to all this pressure that's in the world. Because your life is preaching to them right now. That we's their important. Should we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go show John again those things which you do hear and see. Uh, the blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. Uh, the, uh, the deaf hear. Let me get it here. The deaf hear. The dead, the dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be, now notice this, offended in me. Now, this is a phenomenon that I've noticed for many years, all the years I've been in ministry. And that is this. In order to correctly navigate faith into the areas of your life in which you need God to move, you've got to be willing to let God be God. Well, it's easy to go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, it is a job sometimes to try and not figure out how, when, where, all these different variables. The enemy will get in your mind like a machine gun and try to paint all these different scenarios. But at the end of the day, it's going to have to be God and God alone. Oh, I ought to get a better amen than that. Amen. Now, John the Baptist, this is Jesus' cousin. Amen. Now God begins to move, not in, the, not in the ministry of Jesus. God begins to move in the ministry of John the Baptist. You can read about it over in Matthew chapter 3. The Bible says, Then went out to him Jerusalem, Judea, all the region round about were baptized of him in the Jordan, uh, uh, confessing their sins. Amen. Then the Bible says, Then came Jesus unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, said, no, I don't need to baptize you. I need to be baptized of you. Jesus said, no, thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he baptized him. And John saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Jesus. 
and a voice speaking from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then you get to the end of that, ver that chapter. The next chapter starts like this. Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness. So, man, I'm telling you, there's some supernatural stuff going on right there. Amen? So John was there. John was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make, you, uh, make his path straight, make you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Amen? Amen. Now, now this was it. This was the, the, the move of God was, was moving. It was, uh, it was happening. Jesus was anointed now. Full measure of the Holy Ghost, not partial measures like we have. It says that in, in chapter 3 of the book of John. He had the Spirit without measure. Amen? So, so his ministry starts and he begins to move. But he begins to do something unique. Now, this is only something that I'm reading into this because of that last verse I read where Jesus said, Blessed is he who shall not get offended in me. Because obviously John the Baptist was two things that were a real problem. He was in prison and he was offended. Amen? So, so something happened there. What happened? This is John the Baptist. This is God's man. This is the man of faith and power for the hour. This is the one that baptized Jesus. What's happened to John? Why is he offended? It's alarming to me. I celebrate every day I'm in ministry. My goodness. I mean to tell you, I've watched guys that thought, man, they were so anointed, so on fire, grew up, grew up, blew up, blew out. Two or three times now, amen? And everybody says, wonder what happened to brother so-and-so. Well, I don't know. I didn't keep up with them. But a lot of times, offense comes, and the enemy's always trying to probe us and find some weakness in us and try to do some, some manipulation to get our eyes off Jesus, get our eyes off the Lord, and get, off, get our eyes on what people may be doing or what people may be saying or what may be happening or this or that. You need to, listen, the Bible says, my son or daughter, attend to my word. I don't see where we need to give attention to much else. Boy, I, I got people that really love me for that. <laughs> they just don't pay attention. Well, not to you. No, you're goofy. But here's the thing. Here, John, from what I can, in my study, and I pray, and when I think this, it feels good, so that's why I say it. Jesus was choosing disciples. Now that, that gets real personal. He goes to a fishing village and picks up three. Fishing village. What, what qualified them? He picks up a tax collector. Picks up Judas Iscariot. Everybody knew what, everybody knew what kind of guy he was. Amen. So we gotta realize he's going through this process of choosing his disciples. Could, let's just for the sake of tonight, could John have thought some way in his mind, why didn't he choose me? Why didn't he choose me? Well, if anybody's qualified, well, I'm a prophet. Well, the Bible talks about Even the book of Isaiah talks about me. I was there when he got started. I'm not looking for some, you know, big place on the pulpit, but I should at least be sitting on the platform with him. Amen. But here's the thing. Jesus said, you're blessed when you don't get mad at the way I choose to do things. Now let me tell you something. One thing I know for sure, truth from the Word of God. It was not the will of God for John to end the way he did. For him to be murdered, executed in such a heinous way, and for such a wicked, evil reason. 
for the lustful thoughts of a, of a, of a lustful man toward his stepdaughter. Murdered a prophet of God. Wasn't the will of God. But it showed me something as I've studied, I've watched other things, I've even in Ireland, things I could talk about, but we don't need to because we're here now. And you're here now because there's at least something on the inside of you that is stirring and, stirring and saying, there's something more, there's something coming. Amen. And there's others that are talking about it, wanting to be a part of it. Others that are trying to stir it. Here comes these crazy people from Texas again. They're trying to stir it all up. Oh my goodness, what's going on? Amen. Well, God is stirring the world with His Spirit. And He's looking for people who will just let go of yesterday and not be offended at the way God is doing things and recognize and realize that God wants to be God and as you allow Him to be God in your life then all these supernatural things begin to happen and next thing you know you're living a spectacular life. Now it's not without a fight. You say why? Because a lot of people have a lot of opinions. But I've noticed there's a catchphrase many times that the devil tries to use. And if you'll listen to me tonight, it'll help you real good. You say, what catchphrase is that? It's this. What do you think about? <laughs> you say, think about what? No, what do you think about? So you fill in on the other side of that and recognize and realize many times conversations that begin with that don't go anyplace other than to probe you and see what you think about something they might be mad about. as like fishing. Well, just don't bite say, I don't think. My mind's corrupt. <laughs> Let me try that again. You didn't get that. Tell them, I don't think. My mind's corrupt. It's an enemy to, it's an enemy to God. So what I do every day is I, I renew my mind with the Word of God. Would you like to see the scriptures I'm meditating on today? I bet you if you do that one time, they'll never talk to you like that again. <laughs> Hallelujah. It did get hot. You said it would. I used to listen to your wife, doesn't it? Thank you. Take it with me. I don't know what John had preconceived in his mind. Now in his questioning of, of, of his, he said, go, now go ask Jesus. Now listen. Are you he that should come or should, or should we look for another? If I was in jail with him, I would have said, John, you told us. It was you that told us, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. It, it, it was you that told us, uh, uh, I'm, You're baptizing us with water, but there's one coming after you whose shoe lashes, you're not worthy to even tie. He's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. You said it was him. So we can conclude by his story that whatever it was, it got him out of the place that Isaiah prophesied he should be in, which was what? The wilderness. As long as he stayed in the wilderness, he stayed under his grace. As long as he stayed in the wilderness, he stayed under his calling. As long as he stayed in the wilderness, he was protected by the angels of God. Something distracted him. He left his wilderness and he went to the city. When John heard in the city, in the prison, that always imprisons you. 
one of the most grievous things in life. And I've ran into both people that have sat in my meetings over the years and ministers that I know. People that I knew that were offended. People that I knew that were not serving God like they had once had according to the doctrines they knew to be real. But when they say things like, well, you know, Rusty, I, man, it's just that prosperity message. Well, I've heard the same message you have. And I can pick it apart as good as anybody else. But I learned just like a good fish to eat the meat and spit out the bones and eat the part that helps me and helps others. I found out if you can find any component of the Word of God and you want it to be supernatural in your life, find out, does it help others and help me? That's God right there. Helps me, helps others. Helps me, helps others. So I just learned to do that. Yeah, sure, a lot of preachers chase, chase money. Still do. I'd rather chase God. Amen? So we begin to realize, here's John. Now he's questioning that revelation. How many of you have got friends? Well, that, they preach that prosperity. Oh, they speak in tongues. That's that American God. There's all kinds of excuses everywhere. And you think it's unique to Ireland? Come on. Every nation we've ever been in, you know, we were, where were we? We were in Mexico. Wonderful meeting down there. 500 filled with the Holy Ghost one night. God moving powerfully. Oh, that day the cartels didn't like that. They said, we'll make the streets run with blood. We let those Americans come down here and preach that God. Well, we just stood up. The Mexican pastor got up and bound that and said, in the name of Jesus. And those streets that night were just quiet as they could be. We had church. Jesus moved. God was glorified. Those people got shown for what they were. You say, why? Because when you operate under the grace that God has put into your life, you've got to fight to stay there. That's the devil's job. He's going to try to do everything he can do to get you out from under the grace God has you under because under that grace is where you grow, mature, you learn how to love, you learn how to serve, you learn the value of your brothers and sisters, you learn the importance of the Word and the Spirit, you learn all of that and all of that other junk. It just kind of either leeches out of people or people just kind of go away. But there's still that remnant desiring the move of God, the power of God, the anointing of God. And I've always said this. We believe in Galatians uh, 6, chapter 6, verse 1. Those that have fallen, you that are spiritual, restore them. Come on back. He He that's without sin. Here, we got a bag of rocks for you. If you ain't made a mistake, you come up here and tell us how to do it. Amen. Come on, church. You got to give a little. You got to give a little because whatever you sow, you're going to. So you say, well, everybody's mean to me. Well, you quit being so mean. Nobody loves me. Well, you start loving somebody. See, it's all works according to the patterns and principles of God. And God is wanting to unite and ignite something. Whoo, glory to God. Did you hear that? He's wanting to unite and ignite something. And it doesn't take crowds of, a, of thousands of people. Man, I'm telling you, just 20, 30, 40, 50 people on fire for God change a city like this from the inside out. I mean, shake it and stir it and make it make people realize and recognize there's a God that loves you. There's an answer for all this craziness. You don't have to go down the drain with everybody else. You don't have to be full of depression, hurt, and pain like the whole world is right now. Amen? So John ended up offended at the way God chooses to do things. And in my, in my life, I've seen so much come and go so many things happen so many uh, even relationships you try to you try to nurture and grow but many things many times 
things don't work out the way people think they do should and when they don't all of a sudden it becomes this basis for the enemy to begin to confuse the mind and when that begins to happen perspectives begin to get off and people begin to devalue the move of God in their life and it becomes easy to step away and we're living in a day in which the Bible says in this day there will be an apostasy or a great falling away But there's one thing that will secure you in the move of God and that is an overwhelming desire for Him. Because if you have an overwhelming desire for Him, you're going to have to live according to His Word, act according to His precepts, forget what your feelings are telling you, forget what religion is telling you. You're going to have to walk in faith and believe God for the supernatural because sometime up the road we may need some powerful miracles to get us out of what the enemy is trying to do to us. Uh, an individual. I'll share some of these things and then we'll minister to some people. I feel the Spirit of God stirring in here. Hallelujah. Put your hands up in worship for just a moment. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you for this gathering in this church this evening that the seed of God sown by faith will cause a great, great harvest to come in. Thank you for what you're doing to protect us, to keep us, to hold us in the palm of your hand so that we might see the glory of God in these last days. Hallelujah. We worship you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We glorify your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. We'll stand up real quick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now turn completely around one time. Thank you, Lord. And sit back down. Hallelujah. Isn't that better? I've preached in Ireland before. Come on. (laughs) Hallelujah. So you need to really begin to value. Actually, I'm just, you know, because this is what I'm connected to. What's going on here? I could give you so many reasons why. Prophetic words that have been spoken. The way God has put things together. All of the players that are involved. People that have come back. I mean, it's amazing what God is doing. It's amazing. Now that is, that should be a sign to some to to, to realize God is doing. There is something stirring. There's, There's something in the air. You know, I live... On, a, on an island right off the coast of Texas and in late August into September and October, we're always praying against those big hurricanes that form. And you know, one that'll get out in the Gulf, it changes the whole atmosphere. Literally, it changes. Uh, the wind will turn f- to offshore. Uh, big waves will begin to roll in from the ocean. People will begin, you kind of fear this, kind, you kind of sense this kind of fear. People kind of on, on edge wondering, what's that storm going to do? What's that storm going to do? You know, you can sense there's something in the air. Well, man, if you don't sense that spiritually, it, there's something in the air. There's something in the air. Yeah, there's some bad stuff. Yeah, there's some dark stuff. Yeah, there's some things that are, are going to be difficult. But boy, I'm telling you, there's some glory in there too. There's some, there's some outpourings and some stirrings of God and things which God is doing that I want to be a part of because Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. That means I want my family united. I want them loving me, loving themselves, and loving each other so I can use them to love this fallen world. Amen. So I'm a church guy. That's why I like church. Because he's coming back for a glorious church. Church. I connect myself to church people. There are people. And it amazes me because God will always confirm, confirm. You'll believe something and believe it. And you really can't find chapter and verse. Then all of a sudden you'll see it play out. And you say, oh, that's it, that's it, that's it, Lord. One of our close friends comes here to, to, to Ireland. Christopher Alon. He is now the, uh, the largest crusade preacher on the planet. Since Brother Reinhard Bonnke has passed and gone to his reward, 
Christopher Alam steps into that place. Why in the world? Why on God's green earth would he come to Dundalk, Ireland? <laughs> I'm telling you. I've got, I get picked, when he's in crusade, you can ask Leah. My phone's going, bing, 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 bing. That's Christopher. Why would he come to Island Church in Galveston? We're a church of 300 people. What are you doing, Christopher? He knows. He sees a stirring, an anointing. He senses the move of the Spirit in which way it's going. Listen, I know because he preaches in my conferences and he loves Ireland. He loves you guys. Why? Why? This is, the, this is the premier crusade signs and wonders man on the earth. Why would he come to Ireland? Got to be God. Got to be God. Got to be God. Why would God take us off the field, took us out of Ireland at a time in, in which several very negative things happened? And what's amazing is, is God took us out before all of that and then we come back and begin to be a part of restoring what God desires to do. My God, what the mercy of God. He said, why would God do that for you? Because I was following Him, doing my best to follow Him. Now here we are back and we sense these stirrings of God. This is so valuable to see God stir again and see an opportunity. Listen, if you've got a place to meet and people to meet with, you're missing it. I said if you've got a place to meet and you've got people to meet with, uh, that, that's got just a little bit of common sense enough to start a local church to sing some beautiful songs to preach some powerful words to declare that Jesus is coming back and he's the answer for every problem in life honey you got something that's real you got something that's right you got something built on the rock of a truth that cannot be destroyed by anything happening on this earth I don't know the depth of what John had those were also perilous times their nation had been invaded and occupied. Crucifixion and, and execution was everywhere. Common. Leadership was corrupt and wicked. And Jesus was showing people what God looked like. In the midst of all that darkness, a light shone. Now here we are. Think of all the generations. This is why you really need to get happy tonight. You say, Why? Think of all the generations that have lived since Jesus walked out of that tomb. All the great men and women of God. The Smith Wigglesworths, the Kenneth Hagins, the John Osteens, the, 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 uh, uh, the Billy Grahams. All the, uh, the ones back in the age. All have lived and died upon the earth and they're not here now. They're gone. I heard, I heard Dr. Lester Summerall preach a message called They Don't Live Here Anymore. Man, it was stirring. My dad, we, he, he, he went to heaven uh, uh, October the 31st, 2021. Glorious home going. Two visitations of angels before he left. Awesome. Awesome. You say, what do you mean by that? We're still here. We're still here. We're still here with time in front of us, which shows we're a very unique generation. All things being equal, we will be a generation that will see the change of a dispensation. That's only happened two other times in the existence of creation. God has you here for such a time as this. 
And it behooves us to do what? To search the scriptures and search our hearts and search the spirit and stay white hot in the things of God and to, and to love our neighbor and try to heal old wounds and try to do all the things necessary to walk in the love of God so that our faith will operate on the highest level so that we can see the signs, the wonders, and the miraculous. Jesus can get glorified. The harvest can come in. And this thing will wrap up. The other side of this, the dark side of this is happening so fast, it's alarming. Even today I watched a program of how they're going to mark people in their hand and their forehead for facial recognition, for the buying and selling of goods. For your medical records and everything. You say, well I believe that will help society. Well let me tell you this, why would God put that in the Bible and say don't do it? If it wasn't, somebody said to me, oh, it's just a system. <laughs> You're exactly right. You're exactly right. It's evil. It's wicked. The drums of war are beating. The atmosphere, the storm. I saw, saw a message preached by an American evangelist many years ago. He was in Brazil. And there was, there was, there was thousands of people in this valley... And he was preaching, there's a storm coming, there's a storm coming. And all of the uh, backdrop behind him was lightning and big thunderheads. It was at night, but there was still, it was just lighting up the sky. He was up there preaching, there's a storm coming. And he was speaking of these days. He began to prophesy things about these days. There's a storm coming. But in the midst of the storm, there's an ark. And his name is Jesus. Now listen, this is what God showed us at Island Church. He doesn't want us just to survive this. He wants, wants us to thrive in the midst of it. So in the midst of decrease, we declare increase. When others are stepping back, we're stepping forward. Yes. Amen? Yes. We're going to walk in the health of God. We're getting out in front of COVID and monkey pox and chicken pox and bat wings and everything else. You say, what do you mean getting out in front? We're getting out in front declaring we are the healed of God. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. The law of the spirit of life in Christ sets me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got to live by that. Walk by, like, by that. Speak that every day. Speak it against COVID. Speak it against prejudice. Speak it against sin. Declare the word of the Lord. Many times meetings like this, that's what we do. We declare the word of the Lord. We speak it into the heavenlies. We lay it up in the spirit for the enemy to see. He's putting his signs up there. But when we speak the word, we come into unity. We worship God. There's a stream of light between heaven and earth. And it's coming right down into this room right now. And it's bringing the life of God, the light of God, the word of God, which brings the inspiration, information that causes faith to take hold. Hallelujah. It helps us realize the day and the hour that we're living in is worth protecting the move of God. Hallelujah. Raise your hands. Father, we worship you. Glory to God. We worship you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I mentioned Dr. Lester Summerall sitting at a table for lunch with him and other ministers. He made this statement. Where's our keyboard player? Leah. Come on, Leah. There you go. Praise the Lord. Young ministers. We were all young back then. 
He said, I'm going to tell you boys how to succeed and never fail. Well, a couple of guys had notebooks. They were reaching for notebooks and pens, you know, ready for four or five pages of Dr. Summerall's musings. I'll never forget because he was eating raw oysters. And in between two oysters, he looked up and said, don't sin. Went back to eating oysters. Well, you know, I listened to that. I thought if that's good enough for him, it's good enough for me. And that's one of the things we must realize as believers. Jesus was called to fulfill all righteousness. Now we are in Christ. I don't know what have, would have been, how can I say this? I don't know what would have been the outcome of John's ministry. I know it would have been glorious. Don't you think? Transferring from an Old Testament prophet to a New Testament prophet. He'd have been there at the upper room. He'd have got filled with the Holy Ghost. He would have been a mentor and a, and a father in the faith to, to Paul and Timothy. Even to, even to Peter and James and John, those guys. He would have been stability for them. I don't know, all you can do is dream. It didn't happen that way. God can only do what He can do with what He has to do it with. I wish all of the big crowds we saw in Ireland from here, of course they were all here and had been with us all week for everything God's done. I, I don't know where, where people are. I know where some people are and it saddens my heart. But I know where I am and I know I'm willing to bring anybody to where I am. All they do is God to do is come. But in our own hearts, we have to make a decision that true revival doesn't begin in a nation or on a worldwide basis. I learned this many years ago when God began to move us into the nations. And the Lord spoke to me and said, pray for revival. And I would even go to churches that I was scheduled to preach in if they had a prayer meeting before I got there. I would get there to pray with that church for revival. And then one day the Lord said, now don't pray for revival in the world anymore. He said, don't pray for, don't pray. You, we would be in certain nations, we'd be in Ireland. He said, don't, don't pray for revival in Ireland. Then he'd say, now don't pray, don't pray for revival. No, don't pray for revival in Dundalk or Dublin. or, or Ath- No, no, don't pray for revival in Galveston. Don't pray for revival in, no, don't pray. And say, get down, don't pray for, no, don't pray for, don't pray for uh, revival at Island Church. Don't pray for revival at this church or that. And I'm like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? He says, pray for revival in you. And this is what I found out. We could all come up tonight and ring the altar and join hands and pray and pray in the Spirit and pray for revival in, in, in the world, in Ireland, uh, in the church, in the city. But if we're not praying for it in us, what good does that do? How is that even relevant to us if we're not willing to pray for revival in us and say, God, revive us, stir us, anoint us, here am I, God send me. And if I could sum up this trip, I was praying this afternoon, most afternoons on Sunday, if I have ministry Sunday night, I, I don't eat, I, I go home, I rest, I, I rest my body. I've learned to do that. You get older. Man, when I was a, guy, a kid, I could jump out of here, run, go over to Sligo and preach, go down to Galway. I mean, <laughs> those days are over. Amen? So we do what we can with what we have. So I was praying, I said, Lord, this is so cool. I love being here. What a great trip. Our conference, everything was so cool. What you're doing here in, 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 in Derry, oh, so awesome, Lord. And the Lord said, 
I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. I said, hallelujah. I know exactly what that means. You don't have to see the big rainstorm. And the, and the thousands. and the, No, 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 no. You'd be glad to be there when you see the cloud the size of a man's hand. You say, why? Because you know something's coming. You know something's growing. And you get to be there to see it come and see it happen. Thank you, Jesus. Now lift your hands and worship God. Just in your own heart, right there where you sit. Ask the Spirit of God to touch you and to stir you. Right there where you sit. Just say, Lord, touch me and stir me. Touch me and stir me, Lord. Touch me and stir me, Lord. Touch me and stir me, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you, Jesus. We want you, Lord Jesus. Oh, as the Apostle Paul said, that I might know you. That I might know you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now here, just a moment, we'll pray for a couple of things I have in my spirit. What's amazing is to do a study of the messages that the Apostle Paul preached in the book of Acts. Because they all start with the phrase, I was on the road to Damascus and a light shined from heaven brighter than a noonday sun. The book of Philippians is a prison letter. It was while Paul lived on the, on the, on the sewer grate of Rome. In the prison in Rome, he wrote a letter to his beloved Philippian church that had financially supported his ministry around the known world. He's writing basically his own epitaph. And, and he does not pen elegant words that would time to what God had done in the past. Oh, if we could have a, another great miracle church like in Ephesus where there were signs and wonders and, and from my body I, I wore aprons and, and we gave them to people and they were healed and delivered. He didn't say nothing about that. He didn't talk about the move of God in Corinth where they, they got so many people delivered from witchcraft that it started a stir in the city. The same thing happened to Ephesus. Nothing about that. Basically, he said, I'm trying to apprehend that which I am apprehended of. In South Texas, we'd say it like this. I'm trying to get a hold. Something got a hold of me. Something got a hold of me. Something got a hold of me. Yeah, I wrote some Bibles in the book, and yeah, I did saw some miracles. Yeah, but none of that. That was all. There was an ulterior motive to all of that. You see, I was on the road to Damascus, and Jesus rescued me. So, growing up around powerful men of God and moves of God and revival, I would hear these testimonies of men, and they would talk about. One of them was just basically born deformed and messed up and God healed him just by faith. He had 64 years of fruitful ministry. Another was dying, two of them actually dying of tuberculosis and God gave them visions. Touched them, gave them, gave them powers, powers of the world to come. That's why Breland sits there. One of them with that, that, that supernatural Holy Ghost power. We, Lee and I were told we could not have children after we had ministered to, to, to dozens and dozens around the world that could not have children. Then it was our turn and, and the devil was fighting us. 
And the Lord sent a man into our life. I could tell you his name. Everybody would know his name. And he said, feel my left hand. And he put his hand on my cheek. And it just felt like a normal hand. He said, feel my right hand. It never made it to my cheek. The power of God knocked me on the ground. I was looking up at the lights going, man. Same thing happened to Leah. She laid right there next to me. And just the next year, Breland was born healthy. All you that knew us, we used to say years ago when we'd come to Ireland, we'll never pastor a church. We'll never have children. But the river flowed a little different than we thought. Now we have a child in the church. And we thank God that both are healthy. Hallelujah. Don't get offended at the way God does things. Remember, God doesn't cause car wrecks, give people sickness or disease, steal people's money hurt people's family, or do anything that's negative like that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you tonight. Oh, Lord, your presence is here in an awesome way. Revive our spirit on the inside. Speak words that imprint upon our hearts. Stir the move of God in us. Revive us, O Lord. Revive us, O Lord. We cry out for the refreshings from heaven. We cry out for reviving. We cry out for awakening. Cry out for harvest. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, how we worship you, Father. How we worship you, Lord God. How we glorify your name. Thank you, Jesus. Someone here tonight, you've had real trouble with your digestion. Now, I'm not going to try and get... Uh, detailed in it because the Spirit of God I always learned years ago only, only say what the Spirit of God says but you have the best way to describe it is, is like you from time to time you have a storm in your stomach now it comes and goes it's something that has come and gone in your life but the Lord wants you to know tonight it's something that's developing that's not really the storm. It's the sign of the storm that's approaching. But God is going to heal you tonight by the covenant He cut with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're not going to have that. And you're not going to go through that. And you will know, you will know by testimony what God has saved you from. Who is that in here? Raise your hand up. Did I make myself clear, sweetie? Sometimes I've got to ask. Problem with your digestive tract. She going to get a baby? Yeah, that's her. I guess she is. It's her? Good. Now let's, let's thank God for that. That's her? Come here, sweet. Oh, don't be afraid. Come on. Come on. We're just going to pray for you. Is that cool? So that you're going to feel good. Is that all right? What's your name? Alicia. Lord, come here, Leah. People like her more than me. 
Is it okay if she puts her hand real lightly right there? Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak to that developing storm and we say, peace, be still in Jesus' name. Devil, get your hands off the righteous children of God. And Father, we thank you by the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost that weapon that tried to form shall not prosper. Amen. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' Now, now, your mom, so what you get tonight, you keep. So she comes and goes, Mom, you say, in the name of Jesus. You've been here. That doesn't mean you have compassion, things like that. But you reaffirm that faith. Is that cool? Is that all right? Amen. I got... When I was probably her age, I was seven and nine. The first thing was chapped lips. I would get chapped lips so bad, my lips would peel. Couldn't put enough chapstick, nothing else. And my dad and mom took me up to our pastor, brother and sister Goodwin, and he prayed for me, and I hadn't had chapped lips since then unless I chapped them. How many know what that means? Unless I chapped them. <laughs> Amen. Then I had nosebleeds. I mean, my nose would look like somebody punched me in the nose. I'd have these horrible nosebleeds, and they took me up, prayed for me, and I'd have nosebleeds again. Thank God for God's healing power. Now, someone else here, you've suffered with a with a with a a, a type of headache. I think they call it like a tension headache, where at the end of the day you feel kind of feel it behind your eyes. You have kind of this throbbing pain. You know, you can take a, a couple of, of aspirin or something, lay down and stuff. But but you know, you've noticed lately that things come become a little stronger. It's time to stop that thing. Who is that in here? Raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Is that you, ma'am? Come here. I want to pray for you. Stay up here with me, Leah. Isn't that good? God knows those things. Lift your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, it has. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. In the name of Jesus, we stop it tonight. No more. No more in Jesus' name. Devil, get your hands off God's property. And in Jesus' ooh, yes. <laughs> name, we release that anointing. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, just refresh her. You need to be refreshed. <laughs> just, you know, one of the, you know how you kind of get just this little ha-ha <laughs> from heaven? You know, you need that right now because there's been, there's been some, some, some steep roads with some deep holes. Is that kind of relate to, yeah, but the Spirit of God lifts you out of that in your spirit, in your heart. How lightened you. Remind you. My burden's easy. My yoke is light. Be carefree. Cast your care. Cast your... The Lord cares for you. Yes, in that one area in which you prayed and prayed, the Lord said the first time you prayed, He heard you. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's thank God with her. Let's thank God with her. Thank God with her. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, help me with this. Uh, uh, 
in the black, Brother Jacob. Jason that works up in Dundalk. Come here, Jason. Praise God. Is your wife here? Grab her real quick. Y'all come stand right here. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, she's got all the babies. <laughs> Praise God. Thank God for someone to take care of all the babies. Stand right there. Now, Father, we lay hands upon them. Now, be willing to grow into it. No, 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 not just go into it. No, 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 grow into it. Grow in your spirit, man. Grow in your faith. Grow in your love and your compassion. Then the doors will open quicker than you think. And the opportunities will arise and you'll be amazed at how promotion will take place. Be loyal, be faithful to the Word and the Spirit and those that are bringing you in to the move of what I'm doing in this nation. And you shall be at the cutting edge on the tip of the spear of that which I do in the weeks, months, and even few short years ahead to the glory of God in your life and that which I desire to do in your family. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now I stir that in you. Thank you, Father. A maturity beyond His years. Seeing what others don't see. Hearing what others don't hear. Responding with the servant's heart. Bringing the glory of God near. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Be bold in the Spirit. Ask big in prayer. Stretch out in faith. Never let a failure set you back. Persevere. Kill your bear. Kill your lion. Down your giant. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we stir it in them, stir it in them, stir it in them. Woo, glory. Now lift your, lift your hands in worship, guys. Let's not be, let's not be uh, spectators. Let's be participants. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How? Now, John, you can just sit there. But you said to me the other night that I had a word for you years ago and things in that word have come to pass, but it all hadn't come to pass yet. But the Lord says it's fixing to. Quicker than you think. And the proof of it is the things that have happened before it has lined you up. to come. And so don't get it fixed in your mind. How it may, may not, will or will not. Just flow with God, the things of God, the heart of God. Your heart for God, and it'll, it'll, be, it'll literally be like stepping on a creek bank after it's rained. You're going to slip right into it. You're going to go, how'd that happen? <laughs> Who? glory to God. Woo, I release that for him. In Jesus' name. <laughs> glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Pain in the hands right now. God's healing that. Just lift your hands up and begin to worship God. God's healing pain in the hands right now. Now, God's delivering someone right now from night terror. Waking up in the night with, with this terror and then having to come to yourself and gather your faculties. That's, that's not, not God. That's not God. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I declare tonight you will sleep and you shall rest and your sleep shall be sound in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Father. We glorify your name. Now, be careful of causes. Be careful of causes. Causes will begin to raise up like weeds in a field. This cause and that cause and this cause and that cause. And oh, they may seem important and they may demand great attention. But stay focused on Him and keep your eyes upon the Master. And don't move to the right nor the left. For fear and intimidation and manipulation and control is moving throughout the earth to bring into existence these last days. Even your adversary would try to usurp the clock of God. But no, I say the church. The church with its authority, with its power, with the name of Jesus, with the power of the Word and the Holy Ghost withholds that which is dark and evil so that my harvest might come in. So stand strong and stand loyal within the church, within the church. For when I come, I'll find faith upon the earth and I'll find it in the church and the hearts of those that know my heart to see the harvest come. The precious fruit of the earth. Jesus. Hallelujah. I do. I bind fear. Somebody has dealt with a a natural fear. Not a natural fear. Not a natural fear. An unnatural fear. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. You leave their soul. No longer affecting their feelings or their mind. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Glorify your name. Now, uh, Ryan, you and Kimberly come and get a drink. Praise God. And, and, and those that work with you, praise God. Uh, y'all come also. Praise God that work with you. Y'all come stand up here with them, if you will. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all stand up here with them. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now the Lord spoke this word into my spirit. He said to tell them, now you're going to have to smell like sheep. 
That's part of pastoring in the last days. It never gets so big where you don't smell like sheep. Sheep bleed, sheep hurt, sheep have pain, but sheep also reproduce when they're healthy. And so you have to smell like sheep. But you have to be so careful because you're called to pastor. You can't have the heart of a sheep. You have to have the heart of a shepherd. And there's a big difference in that. God's developing that in you right now. Working on your character. Working on some things on the inside of you. And there are some things which you're going to have to step up, reach up to grab. And some other things behind you that you're just going to have to let go. But in so doing, it's going to develop that shepherd's heart. In which you'll never use, lose the smell of sheep. Because you're with the sheep. God sent you for the sheep. But you're going to have to have that heart of a shepherd. It's going to have to be a brave heart. A strong heart. A heart that's going to have to be resilient to pain. That doesn't mean pain doesn't come. It's going to have to be very, very uh, open to wisdom. And sometimes wisdom, especially in the face of what may be going on, may look like and sound like abstract, very abstract. But you have to trust God. Trust God. There's much more to be done. Much more to be done. Much more to be healed. For this is a season of healing in this land. Old bridges are being mended. Polluted streams are being cleansed. And wells that were dug in which the enemy has stopped up are being redug, And the wells will flow fresh again. Ha ha! Thank you Lord. And the next generation shall rise up. With signs and wonders and miracles. And a heart for the move of God. So stay focused and fixed. Upon that which you know God has placed within your heart. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, especially for Kimberly, you can't carry the pain of the church. What's amazing about having the grace to pastor is all of the people that you go through what they all go through plus what you go through. That's an amazing anomaly of pastoring. So most people don't really understand what you carry to have to do that. So one of the ways to stay true in that calling, it's really two ways, but to choose the better is to choose the better way. You can get hard and kind of aloof and kind of, kind of, but that really never heals people's hearts. You have to stay tender, but you have to be wise and be careful of how you deal out your tenderness. And God will give you wisdom and heal you now. From some words that have been said, some attitudes you've had to deal with, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And don't forget, Ryan, he says, my burden's easy. Brother Osteen told us, if it quits being fun, it's not God. And there's so much that tries to make it not fun anymore. But you got to just keep on living in the joy of the <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Now for these wonderful servants of God. Hallelujah. Lift your hands. Thank you, Father. Ooh, no, no, no. 
Hidele do sohoko. Uva da sukete lelinda. Na da jele bedia. Peace, peace. Peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Goronina Namaha. Bege de nene. Ida bedesubato. Oh, river. Tender, tender. Now let's close like this. We need strength for faith, for decisions. Ah, we hadn't forgot you. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Now the Lord wants you to know, oh, this is good. I like this. Please hear this with your heart. The Lord wants you to know you can bloom right where you are. Now this is what he says. He says, be reminded of a beautiful flower that would be grown from seed. Not from a living plant, but from seed. For the seed would have to go into the ground. The ground would have to minister its light and its moisture. The seed would reproduce after the, the beautiful specimen that it is, but it would have to make that journey up through, the, up through the crust and into the light. You've made that journey. And the Lord wants you to know that where you're planted and because how you've planted your heart, you've grown quickly. And your branches are reaching up to the sun. But the Lord says where it's taken a while for that to happen, the bud will set and bloom overnight. And the glory of God in your worship. For it truly comes from the heart. Don't let it be seduced away. Stay pure. For many have been where you stand tonight. Many have sung and ministered as the psalmist of even this nation in this area with the anointing upon their lives. But there was a seduction and a stealing and a distorting. But if you will make the decision, I'll stay and I'll stick with the glory of God. <laughs> Woo! Then you'll not be an echo. I'll give you a voice and I'll give you a sound. And they'll hear it around the world and they say, yeah, they, that's our, I've heard that sound. For that is the sound of the worship of a nation. That is the sound of a worship of God's people. That is the sound of a worship of a church where God is moving. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, I guess that's good enough to wait for, amen. Ooh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, let me close like this. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Man.
People say, how you trip to Ireland? I said, went there and got drunk. <laughs> my, 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 it's the strongest anointing I, we've, I've sensed in the whole, the whole trip. And man, it's been a great trip. There's been some strong anointings to teach and to minister. But man, this is different. I recognize it. I recognize it. I do, I recognize it. It's how God begins to move in whole areas and regions, nations. Seen it before. Seen it in other nations. Hallelujah. The world has gone nuts. I don't, I, I don't see any place of refuge in the earth. I don't see any place that will be untouched by the insanity of the demonic mixing with the human and bringing to pass this demonic thing that will be upon the earth when we're gone because it can't do it while we're here. In the meantime, church, we're going to have to have some strength. A friend of mine that, that, that I pray with that's a, a, a real prayer warrior and he keeps, keeps up with some of the other intercessors there in America. He named a couple that I was familiar with because I, I consider myself a, a prayer guy. He named a couple that I was familiar with. He said both of them at, at different uh, parts of the nation there in America praying for the move of God worldwide said this, the church is going to have to come together united in prayer because there's things coming that's going to take the entire church united in prayer to overcome. Wow. Well, I, hear, I, I heard that. I heard that. That's why we're so, you come to Island Church, just come for a couple of weeks and you'll find out we pray a lot. So as prayer stirs here and up in Dundalk and wherever else God sends you guys, yield to it, church. Yield. Come and pray. Come and pray. Come and pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. We've got to get, that's how we're going to get through this. We've got to get, it's not about how big of a church we can build. How, no, no, we've got to get close to God. Get close, close. So however He moves, we move with Him. We move in His stride, not in His shadow. Both of them at the same time. Then they came together in a meeting. And when one gave that word about the church is going to have to be united in prayer, the other word that was given was this, the church is going to have to be full of joy. You say, why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We're going to have to have some strength. Listen, there's going to be people. I don't know if you've ever lived in a disaster. We've lived in a disaster for a short period of time when our home and church was destroyed back in 2008. And as we ministered to the community through feeding meals, what did we feed? 90,000 meals. We, we handed out water. We gathered teams. We went and rescued and we went and did all this stuff. And, and people would pull up in our parking lot and just open the doors of their car and fall out on the ground. Hopeless. Homes destroyed. Families displaced. Business destroyed. Weeping. What do we do now? Well, we were there. If you lose everything and all you got left is Jesus, you got more, to, you got more than enough to start over with. So we have to rely on the joy of the Lord, which is not happiness. Because sometimes we get in a meeting and we get real happy because there's a little anointing, a little stir, a little, you know, a couple of goosebumps or something. People, ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, you know, that's all well and good. But happiness is dependent upon the circumstance. If I reached in my pocket and gathered a, a thousand euros and handed it to you, you'd probably go, oh yeah, you a great day, awesome day. But if I wrenched out there and took it back, you'd probably go, oh man, come on. That's what happiness looks like. But joy comes from the inside. 
It bubbles up from a divine connection on the inside of you in which God has placed literally his God DNA on the inside of you. Where in the spirit realm, if they were to check you, they'd see that you weren't black, white, Irish, or American. They'd see that you were in Christ. Hallelujah. That unites us together as God's children. And then to know that as we go through these next weeks and months and years, no matter how dangerous the world may get, we're kept by the word of God, by the power of God, by the anointing of God. Not only are we kept, we're united, or we are connected. We're connected to you. You're connected to us. You're connected to others. Hallelujah. So just take a moment and lift your hands. And just let it, just for a moment, just let, uh, just a stirring on the inside of you. And maybe just a little, just a little, just a, a little urging or a little uh, coaxing of a little of, of that joy of God to come bubbling up out of your spirit, man. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah, if you yield to it, it'll bless you, see. See, some people just kind of sit there and go, ooh, with an old ugly face. But the best way to enter in is to start with a smile. Because if you smile at God, you know what he'll do? He'll smile back at you. And you'll find this out. The bigger you smile, the bigger he'll smile at you. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's so cool. And then if you smile a little bigger, he may chuckle. Careful now. <laughs> Careful now. Oh, I've heard about those Pentecostals. Careful now. <laughs> Some of you hadn't had anything to laugh at in months. Everything in your life has been dark, drab, gray, tastes like bad mud. And you think, how long is this misery going to go on? Well, as long as you let it go on. <laughs> or you can, or you can think like I do and think, well, you know, this is all just a big joke as far as I'm concerned. Because I don't care what I have to eat, where I have to go, what I have to look like. As long as I know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, the Holy Ghost abides in me and empowers me, and I know the Word of God is true, I know this. I really don't take everything else so seriously. <laughs> you say, why? Because I'm kind of like Paul was. And these other guys that had these stories in their life in which God got a hold of them, and they took off trying to... Man, I got to get a hold of this guy that got a hold of me. Paul did that. Moses was like that. We hear of these powerful men of God that lived in previous generations. They did that. But here's the thing. We hear their testimony, and it may sound sensational, but it's no different than your testimony or John's or anybody else's testimony. We were all lost. We were all undone without God, and God came looking for us. Oh, I was looking for God. No, you weren't. He came looking for you. And for me, that's why I always go back to it. On March the 7th, 1984, God rescued me. When I turned my face from God and shook my fist, and said, I'll not preach the gospel. And for 12 years, ran from God and he had a so much love and so much mercy and so much kindness, so much compassion. 
and he just swooped me up in his arms. How can you not chase after a God like that? Where I was bleeding, he stopped the blood flow. Where my mind was wrecked, he cleared it. Where my future was hopeless, he gave me vision. How good is God? It gives me joy. I think about it and I get joy. And all the wonderful people I get to meet and see and the, this word we get to teach and preach and this spirit that moves in us and through us and among us and this destiny we have as believers. <laughs> Hallelujah. How can you not be full of joy? Paul said it like this. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory and full of glory. One last thing, real quick. If you've suffered with depression, if depression has tried to get on you, it's not wrong to be depressed, it's wrong to stay depressed. I had a friend that was a minister. He went to a doctor and they did a physical examination and said, we're going to send you to a psychiatrist. He said, a psychiatrist? He had been pastoring about 40 years. He said, yeah, a psychiatrist. So he went to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist told him he was depressed. But this is what he said. I thought it was interesting. He said, now you're depressed, but you ain't got sense enough to know it. <laughs> and if you had known this guy, you don't know, because he was always cracking jokes and telling funny stories and doing all. And he said, you're depressed. You've got all the signs of clinical depression. But, but, but what are you doing? How come you act like you're... Well, and he thought to himself, he said, man, I thought that guy ain't got a clue. He told me later. He said, I thought depressed people jumped off bridges. He said, but I found out later, sometimes they just walk to the edge and look over. You don't have to be depressed. And in this day and hour, if you listen to the narrative of this world and everything that's coming upon the earth, the Bible said men's hearts will fail them for fear of that. If that's you, lift your hands right now. If you've suffered with depression, just lift your hands up. Just lift up your hands. Father, I speak right now against depression in this church, in these precious people. And Lord, you know I've gone around this, around this nation many times declaring that Jesus will set you free. Depression, in the name of Jesus, you get your hands off these people. That, 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 that mind that is tormented, that fear that tries to come, we say, no, in Jesus' name. And Father, we release the peace of God. Lord, you said it's the peace of God that would guard our minds and our hearts. Oh, hallelujah. Guard our minds and our hearts. The peace of God. The peace of God. Depression, you leave them and you never come back. And I thank you, Lord, for a joy bubbling up on the inside of them everywhere they go. They fulfill Romans 14, 17. They are righteousness a righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost in manifestation. Can I tell you one story? Then I'll say goodbye and tell you how much I love you. We were here back in the mid-90s in Dundalk conducting a meeting. I'm sure John was there. Others, Some of you others may have been there. My dad was with us. A couple other ministers. We were staying in a bed and breakfast there and the owners were a young Irish couple. And there were other people staying in that bed and breakfast. And there were, I think in that bed and breakfast there were six of us. 
And we'd leave out of there in the morning. They'd, they'd always prepare a, a beautiful breakfast, and we were always so, so grateful for their hospitality. Then we would leave, and then we would come back, and in the afternoons, we'd be in there praying and worshiping, talking to each other. The preachers would get together, talk about what we were preaching and ministering on. And then we'd come back, usually after midnight. Remember that, John? We'd go late in the night, man. We weren't afraid to go late. We'd come back into that bed and breakfast, and man, we'd be like walking on the clouds, you know. We'd come gliding in there, you know. So after about three days of that, the owner of that bed and breakfast cornered my dad. I guess he figured he looked smarter than the rest of us. <laughs> and he said, sir, you have to tell me. And dad, dad told the story. He said, he was very, very sincere in his eyes, and he said, you have to tell me. He said, all the people that stay in our bed and breakfast, they go out, and they, they, they look mad when they go out and they come back and they look miserable. They get up in the morning, they're miserable. What are you, what are y'all doing? He says, You're always laughing. He says, Sometimes I wonder, you know, what are they doing in there? And we'll all be at a table and we'll be somebody be saying something, talking about the meeting, talking about some guy, and they'll be just be laughing and laughing. He said, I want to come in there and listen. What are they saying that makes people act like that? So Pops told him led him to the Lord right there in his kitchen. That night he brought his family. They were all saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And it wasn't the preaching of the preachers in the conference and it wasn't the, the wonderful church in Dundalk. It wasn't none of that. It was, the, it was the testimony of the joy of God in our lives everywhere we go. And when we get together, we have joy, we have, we have family, we have peace. The Bible says that we, 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 we sharpen one another, iron sharpens iron. And the Bible says when we fellowship, the blood of Jesus is activated and it cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. That means I want to live holy around you. I, want to live, I don't want to live unholy around you. I want to live holy around you. I want to live righteous around you. I want to obey God around you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad you're serving God today? What a privilege that is. One more time, let's pray. Father, we worship you. How we love you. Lord, I thank you for this trip. How you blessed our conference up in, in Dundalk. What a blessing. Down here, Lord, supernatural seed has been planted. Lord, we water it with our faith. We stand in agreement with this house. And Father, we thank you all the provision necessary and the favor of God. And Lord, we do. We declare over Island Church, the three of them, none greater than the other, none larger or smaller than, but we declare the favor of God, the protection of God, and when everything else decreases, we increase, and when others are stepping back, we step forward in Jesus' name. Protect us, Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Intoxicate us with joy that we might have the strength of God. Then take us to heaven. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located in the city at 76 Strand Road and we would love for you to call in and join us. Details are on our website at islandchurch.co.uk